It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Bengals cut three on their way to the cut down to 80 coming up later this week. Plus, we're joined by Solomon Wilcox to talk about the Bengals secondary and chances in 2022. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, bringing you coverage of your Cincinnati Bengals every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. We appreciate all of you who make us your first listen and who subscribe and follow, whether it's on YouTube or where you get your audio podcasts. Today, we're joined by Solomon Wilcats. That'll be coming up a little bit later in the show. We're going to talk a lot about Bengals secondary pieces, Dax Hill, Jesse Bates, Shadobe Abuzie. We're going to talk about Cordell Volson and whether he's won the left guard battle. We're also going to start the show with a little Cordell Volson discourse. The Bengals, of course, did make three roster moves on Monday. We're going to talk about those as well. Scotty Washington, in addition to wide receivers, Javon Hiley and wide receiver Jack Sorensen, were waived on Monday. All three guys hardly really even got into the game in preseason game two, highly with four snaps. Uh, Jack Sorensen with 14 snaps. Scotty Washington with seven snaps. Washington, of course, trying to redo his career, remake his career as a tight end. Not going to happen in Cincinnati for any of those guys. Wishing them the best of luck. The Bengals still have two moves to make to get to 80. And that could be some IR moves potentially. Depending on what some injuries are, that could be some other players getting waived. It could have to be an additional move if Jesse Bates shows up this week. And, and that puts pressure. Do you know on something? Them. Do you know, know something? Go I ahead know. and break the news. Here, I'm going to mail you the hot take chain. You could put it on. Break the news. Come on now, Jake Schefter. The, the hot take chain is for hot takes, not for breaking news, though, right? Either we way, it doesn't matter. You, it, man, if you break Jesse Bates is coming back, you're getting a hot take chain. You're getting a breaking news blanket. I mean, you're going to have all the things. <laughs> yes. Don't you worry, Jake. That's what it is. A breaking news blanket. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we need. We need some breaking news blankets. I don't have news to break, obviously, but... We, we can see Jesse Bates back any day. He could come back whenever he wants, and, and that's, that's, all, that's all he's getting out there. The next little item to talk about is Cordell Volson's pass-blocking grade from PFF, 26.5. And mm-hmm. I take issue with this a little bit. For one, he had 44 pa- pa- pass-blocking pass reps. He gave up three total pressures. One of them was a sack. One of them was a bad sack that he should not have given up on that safety. I think safety blitz. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that one. The other pressure that he gave up cleanly was a juke move that we talked about. I don't remember the third pressure. I haven't had a chance to go back and watch it all 22 yet. Hopefully that happens today as well. But even if he gives up three pressures, that's not ideal for a guard. You don't want to give up three pressures per game as a guard. 
give up pressure on, you know, 7% of your pass blocking reps. But I don't remember the third for one. And and two, I thought he played pretty well. And the only way you get to a 26.5 is not only do, do you give up the pressures, but you're also losing on plays where the ball is out quickly and you're not giving up pressures. And I didn't really see that from him either. So certainly bears rewatching, but also is a great reminder to, you know, sometimes we got to take PFF with a little grain of salt. Yeah, it's a tool. It's not the tool. It's a tool. That's all. You know, sometimes you use it, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you can disagree with it. And yeah, I disagree with this. 26. This isn't me in math class. We're talking about Cordell Volson on Sunday night. He was pretty good. He was pretty good. He played 67 snaps and had really, when you talk about game winners, cleared this big lane for Jacques Patrick to, to run through and score what should have been the game winning touchdown if the defense had, you know, shown up, you know, that last team defense. And um, side note, Clay Johnston was like dejected after his 20 tackle game talking with Dan Horde because he's mad they lost. And so I actually love that. Uh, but anyways, yeah, this, I just don't buy that. And if anything, we're the experts on bad offensive line play, Jake, we've seen it. We've seen 26 overalls from guards over the years. We know it. No one probably knows it better than we know it. Right. Because, and I could just go down the list of guys that we could talk about, and I'm not going to air out the Bengals' dirty laundry. But those guys aren't walking through that door. And I thought Cordell Volson played really well overall. And now, does that mean he deserves an 80 overall? No. Was he somewhere probably in the 60s? Like, in, in my head, would I have guessed that's where he is? Probably. And I can't wait to ask Solomon Wilcots about Cordell Volson because he's been at camp. He's uh, certainly a plugged into the Bengals. We know that. But, uh, you know, I'm sure he's, he's got a relationship with some of these coaches. So it's going to be interesting to see because it feels like, at least to us, that Volson's the front runner. And, and, and so is that how Solomon thinks as well? It's going to be interesting to see coming up in just a bit. Yeah, I, I'm curious to get his take as well. Of course, Solomon used to call plays. I always enjoyed him calling plays as well when he was up in the booth and and still doing good work we talked to him before the super bowl many of you will remember when we were in la and he's, he's just a great person to talk about bengals football with no doubt no doubt about it and yeah you mean doing the the color analyst like for cbs right that's what you're yeah. talking about yeah, yeah what yeah, did i say calling plays i was like man is he was he luana rumo calling plays up there? yeah my bad that's not exactly <laughs> what i meant Calling what was happening during the plays. The last note to get to before we bring Solly in is on the defensive side, or sorry, still on the offensive side of the ball. Dab Moss taking a lot of heat for his cut block. And I wasn't even going to address this, James. It's just gotten to a point where, you know, Rich Eisen and Warren Sharp and Emmanuel, like all these guys coming out of the woodwork to say, you know, fine, suspend change the rule, cowardly, dirty, and it's it's none of those things. It's perfectly within the rules. The Giants ran like the same exact play. Noah Spence didn't get hurt. Noah Spence also isn't Kayvon Thibodeau, so there probably wouldn't have been as significant an outcry anyway, but it's literally like the same play, the same block executed by the Giants later in the game. Brian Dable after the game even said, you know, it's in the rules. It's part of the game. You know, you got to see that coming. You got to defend yourself a little bit better. As many defensive linemen have said and offensive linemen have chimed in and said, this is just a standard block. 
wasn't the best executed block, but it's a standard block. Nothing peculiar about what that Moss did. Nothing malicious and bears clarifying for all of you who maybe are seeing some of that from, from some of these people on Twitter. For sure. I mean, it's to me, the, the, the best part about this, honestly, and you know, I could get into the Twitter stuff, but I'm not going to the fact that Kayvon Thibodeau, we're looking at like three weeks with MCL or, you know, maybe a month worst case, but he's young. He's going to heal fast. We've talked about the MCL, which is what I think Drew Sample is dealing with right now. And wouldn't be shocked if he's back for week one. And I'm talking about sample. It is every MCL is different, but we're not talking about some kind of rookie season ending type injury. Cause that would have been the nightmare and you don't want to see anyone get hurt. And so I'm glad that that cave Okay. And that was my immediate fear. When I watched the replay on the mm-hmm. broadcast, I was watching didn't cut away oh. to commercial. They were just showing the replay and it looked bad, but, but then on, on further replays, it looked like he kind of got in behind the knee instead of the side of the knee. And you're right, Kayvon Thibodeau, a young player, hopefully recovers and will be fine, will be a footnote at the end of his career that that is mostly forgettable. And for Thab Moss, hopefully also mostly forgettable. They, they dapped each other up a little bit as Thibodeau was walking off the field as well. Coming up next, Solomon Wilcott going to join us to talk about the Bengals secondary, some of these offensive line choices. We asked him if, if he were Duke Tobin, well, would, would he make a move on the offensive line. We'll get his take on that and more coming up next. But first a word from AG one. I take AG one every single day, and this has actually gotten a lot of heat. I think there's some heat on the hot take master right now because of my vegetables take. It's all right. That's okay. But AG one helps me stay fit, stay trim, stay healthy and get all those vitamins, minerals, nutrients that I'd get from veggies anyway, because when you take every uh, AG1 every morning, you're going to get 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. And that's the thing is you're going to be able to get healthier by just eight ounces of water. That's all I do. I put eight ounces of water, one scoop, boom. And look, you don't have to take my word for it. They have over 7,000 five-star reviews, and it's lifestyle-friendly. So Maybe you're on keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free. AG1 has got you covered. So check them out right now. And Athletic Greens, they're going to give you a free one-year supply of their immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first, first purchase. I can't wait to use those travel packs on the road this season. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate nutritional insurance. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's keep things rolling on today's episode of Locked On Bengals and welcome in a special guest. He is Solomon Wilcots. You can follow him on Twitter at Solomon's Wisdom. Make sure you check out the Believe in Bengals podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, which is also airing 
on the Valley, uh, on Valley Sports Ohio as well on the TV side. And Solomon, thank you for the time. Uh, a ton that we want to get to and ask you about. Let's start with the Bengals' first round pick. You know, 31st overall, Dax Hill. I think people on draft night were sort of split with, oh, did they just draft Jesse Bates as replacement? Does this mean it's the end? Why would they go safety when they could have taken offensive linemen or go a different route? But uh, Dax Hill certainly has has had a successful start to, to preseason in his first two games. What stands out to you the most about Hill so far? Well, first of all, guys, thanks for having me on the show. Second of all, I think when the Bengals are – uh, drafted a player in the secondary. In fact, they went heavy in the secondary in this past year's draft. All you had to do was watch the uh, the last drive for the Rams in the Super Bowl to tell you we, we need more help back there. And, and Jesse Bates is is what's good about the Cincinnati Bengals defense under Lou Romo. And I think this game against the Giants, it pretty much showed you that Dax Hill is just another um, chess piece on the board for the Bengals defensive coordinator working in that scheme where versatility, it comes at a premium. Lou Anaromo wants defensive backs that he can move around the board, play in different positions, but has a tremendous football IQ to understand. That's exactly what Mike Hilton brought to the defense last year in free agency. Clearly is what Jesse Bates uh, has working for him, allow him to get his hands on the ball, make so many good plays. So this is just one more piece added to the puzzle. Dax Hill, of course, even on Sunday night, lining up all over the place, had yeah. many, many snaps in linebacker alignments, a lot of strong safety snaps, had some single high snaps some split safety snaps up at free safety, came down, played some man in the slot on tight ends a couple of times. You, of course, played defensive back. Did you do a lot of that? And if you did, or, or maybe you just know the answer, is that difficult for a guy or is that just something that he has the experience and so He's comfortable aligning in all these different spots. Yeah, and you saw Dax, he blitzed the quarterback. He nearly got a hit on Daniel Jones. Daniel got rid of it really quick. Um, but certainly, he plays all over the place. I had a conversation with Lou Anaromo about this because it's not lost on me that really the great defensive coordinators, some of the greatest ones that we've seen in our game, they begin their coaching careers coaching the secondary. That means – from back to front and seeing everything and being able to manage the game. Tom Landry, of course, what started as a defensive back and started as a defensive back coach before he became a defensive coordinator. Bill Belichick started as a defensive back coach before he began to coordinate and design defenses. Dick LeBeau, who we all know very well here in Cincinnati, um, pretty much the same. And Lou Anaromo, he's from, he's cut from that same cloth. And so that's why he wants guys who are so versatile because being able to disguise the coverages is the most critical part about playing defense. And as he told me, he said, look, if the three technique on the defensive line makes a mistake, you know who notices? Only the coach does. He said, but if the defensive back makes a mistake, you know who notices? Everybody in the stadium. <laughs> Everyone knows uh, when we make a mistake because the the official was holding up a hand, singling a touchdown. So, no, I, I was one of those players. That's how I got to play in the league. I wasn't as talented as a Jesse Bates or a Dax Hill. Uh, I had to know how to play multiple positions. I came in as a cornerback from the University of Colorado. Played, I then played safety, moved to that position my second year in the league. So I could play the dying position, and I played on, on all the special teams. So uh, it's something that Dick LeBeau put a tremendous – 
emphasis on as well as uh, what Lou Anaroma was doing. He's the same way, cut from the same cloth. Solomon, guys these days train year-round. They train on their own. It's not like they show up to camp and have to to train to get into shape or anything like that, at least most of them. And, And Jesse Bates, given that he's holding out right now during camp, but I think everyone at, uh, at Paycor Stadium that thinks that he's going to be uh, back and ready to go for week one. How hard do you think that's going to be for him, given that he's not going to be with the team during, I, I imagine, the rest of camp and the rest of the preseason, and yet he does have the pressure of really wanting to put his best foot forward so he does get paid next March? Yeah, I think he shows up any day now, to be okay. honest. The final cutdown day – is eight days away as we record right now on August 30th. Uh, I suspect he'll be in before that. Um, you and I both know most of the guys aren't playing anyway in the mm-hmm. preseason games, but you're right. Practice time matters. That's why we practice. We don't go out and practice for nothing. It's not a, it's not a, a nothing burger, right? So no, you, you want to be out there, but I, you know, working out, I'm sure he's going to be fit. He's going to be in shape. Um, I would love to see him practicing than not practicing, but I trust a guy like Jesse Bates, who's a real pro, um, that when he gets here, he'll be able from the neck up, that part will be easy. But I think there will be a ramp up period. They're not going to just throw him in there wholesale. There's going to be a ramp up period uh, before you put him in there. And so, uh, but he can get himself ready to play. And I think after You'd be surprised after one half of football, you'll be feeling it again. It'll it'll start the, the timing of it all will start to come back. And we talked about this a little bit right after the game as well. That getting Dax Hill these reps gives him the experience that if they need him to play some of that Jesse Bates role in the first regular season game, he's at least available for it. But I'm sure the preference is for Jesse Bates to play that role. Now, we haven't seen a whole lot of the Bengals Starters. In fact, we've seen none of the Bengals starters in the preseason, especially in the secondary. Shadobe Abuzier, uh, Mike Hilton, and, and Eli Apple all getting rest in the preseason period. You've seen him in practice. I've seen some of the depth guys as well. Let's start with Cheeto, though. Getting a little bit of love lately uh, in, in a nice piece that profiled his experience coming out of, out of Nigeria and some of his life experience and how that has affected his approach to football. But a little underappreciated? would you say, by national media types? Oh, there's no doubt. Now, you got to understand, I'm a University of Colorado guy. So, when he, you know, when he first came here from the Cowboys, he was drafted out of the University of Colorado by the Dallas Cowboys. As soon as he came here, I had to put my arms around him because that's just what we do. And he is uh, well-deserving. And I, I even told Coach Anaroma, I said, this guy's a really good player. I said, I think he's going to find a home here, and I think he's going to play his best ball. Uh, wearing Cincinnati Bengals stripes. I even told him that. And so we had him on the Believe in Bengal podcast just to make him feel right at home. And uh, he was able to explain why this was a good fit. He chose to come here and could have went to a number of other teams, but he felt this was the right place. This was the right defense. It was the right system. And I think last year proved it. I, I thought the Super Bowl was his best game yet. He was all over the field in that game. And, uh, man, it was just incredible to see him playing that well. And uh, so I, I think he, I think he's going to be even better his second year in this system. We'll get back to our interview with Solomon Wilcox in just a second, but I have to tell you about LinkedIn because you're gearing up for fall and you need the right people on your team 
to help your small business fire on all cylinders. And that can be challenging to find the right people. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Simple tools. They have screening questions. They make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview, who you'd like to hire. Let LinkedIn Jobs streamline this process. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? 40 million. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Eli Apple takes a lot of heat. Some of it is, yeah, is yeah. Be, you know, self-inflicted with how he tweets and things mm-hmm. like that. But you've watched him in camp. I've watched him in camp. I actually think, given that he's going up against Jamar Chase a lot, He's really held his own against what, one of the best receivers in, on the planet. Uh, listen, I was one of the guys who just, you know, gave him this bad nickname and was really down on Eli Apple. And, and But he's gotten better. He's just – the one thing I know about playing defensive back is uh, when the confidence goes, everything goes. And there's something happened in New York with the Giants. And then I think even struggles – when he was with the Saints. But I even saw in New Orleans, I saw him improve. I really did. I saw him become a better player. This guy's a first-round draft pick for a reason. He's got the length. He's got the size. He's got the, he's got all the tools. His game's got to be from the neck up. The believability to stand in there when you're impressed man-to-man covers, don't open the gate. He's got the physical tools to cover and defend against anyone and we've seen him do that in practice. You're right. He's going up against T. Higgins. He's going up against Jamar Chase. And as you mentioned, he's winning a lot of those battles. And I, I can tell you right now, I was over there just last week watching him practice against, and he was winning a large share of those battles. I came away very much impressed by what I'm seeing from Eli Apple. I want to see him keep it up mm-hmm. and, and get make more big plays as opposed to giving those up. And I can tell you right now, if he does that 180 and continue to improve, even like what we've seen last two years, that's going to be good for the Bengals' defense. And they need it with the way the arms race is heating up in the AFC. So many talented passing games with the Bills, with Devontae Adams, with, of course, the Chiefs and the Chargers. You look around the NFL, you could talk about George Pickens if you really wanted to. We're not going to. This is a Bengals podcast, <laughs> but you could. And, and you could talk about the weapons over there, but – it's going to be needed either way for Eli Apple to continue to play well. Looking back on, on preseason game number two, we saw a whole lot of Alan George. We saw a whole lot of Delonte Hood, a whole lot of Jalen Davis in the slot. Did any of those guys stand out to you? I think Jalen Davis certainly has a great shot to make this team as a backup slot corner, for example. Jalen Davis, was that, that's exactly what stood out. You know, Cam Sample, um, his, his ability, you were starting to see him work his way 
into what I think could be a, a wonderful uh, rotation. But Jalen Davis was the guy that, outside of Dax Hill, he was the guy that stood out the most if you're looking for someone that's going to give us depth somewhere on this team that makes us better in areas where we have to be better. Um, that was the number one mission this offseason. Let's get better on the back end of the defense. You create a secondary with depth, with speed, with versatility, and that's exactly what they have. Oh, by the way, Zachary Carter, uh, the third-round pick out of the University of Florida, has caught my eye every time he hits the field. This guy is a – he's just so much more mature and such a polished uh, player that doesn't resemble a rookie. Um, played almost every single snap of the first preseason game against the Cardinals. Um, looked the, every bit the part again against the Giants. I think now you're going to see them getting him some rest because, you know, you want to see it from rookies and then you want to see them validate. In other words, show me again. <laughs> Zachary <laughs> Carter has done that. Uh, Jalen Davis shined against the Giants. Now I think he's going to get some snaps against the Rams, and I know they want to see more of it. Solomon, let's switch gears. And you mentioned the third round pick, Zachary Carter. Let's talk about the fourth rounder and, and talk about the offense a little bit because the offensive line has obviously been such a hot button topic, not just this offseason, but for years now on this podcast and in Cincinnati. What did you think of Cordell Volson's first career start? 67 snaps yeah. all at left guard and uh, certainly in the mix there. And it might be the favorite at the, the left guard spot to start week one. I think he beats out, you know, Carmen Jackson. I'm sorry, oh, Jackson Carmen. I'm sorry. I always get the name. Like, <laughs> he's got two. You're not names. alone. He's got two yeah. first names. But no, I think I think uh, I think Cordell is going to win the job. And the reason why, because I, I see him as the most eager. He is the most uh, aggressive uh, he loves the competition. He loves the physicality of the position. Um, he loves being an offensive lineman. Mm -hmm. And he gets grimy with it. I mean, this guy loves everything that the job calls for. That's, those are, you know, it's like Frank Pollock. He calls them glass eaters, right? This guy is a poster guy for, for glass eaters. You know, Cordell Volson played some tackle at North Dakota State, uh, played some guard as well. He, this is a guy that is so versatile, uh, he sort of fits what Duke Tobin wants and the players that they're bringing in. The diversified in terms of um, position mobility, um, to really love the game, be passionate, be uh, very physical and be a hard worker. Uh, I, I think we're going to have four new starters on the offensive line entering the 2022 season, not just three. And I think it's a good thing. I think he certainly made the most of his opportunity against the Giants. He, he did give up the, the one sack on the defensive back blitz. Wink Martindale got him a little bit there, had him yeah. a little bit spinning. Yeah. Got juked, uh, I mentioned on our game recap show as well, just like a straight-up juke move, which you don't see very often in, in pass protection. But outside of that, I thought he acquitted himself quite well. You, you look at the Bengals' recent history of drafting offensive linemen. There are a lot of guys that, like you said, have that versatility. Deontay Smith drafted – from tackle, played some guard. Hakeem Adeniji, drafted as a tackle, has played some guard. You're seeing this with, with quite a few of the Bengals' recent targets in the draft. If if you were Duke Tobin right now, seeing what you've seen from guys like Adeniji and Volson and Carmen and Trey Hill, would you be feeling any urgency to go out there and try to find a veteran to plug into this room, or would you feel comfortable with the young guys you have to play those backup jobs? 
No, I, I feel good. Remember, we, we did that with the Riley Reefs, right? Um, the Quentin Spains, um, you know, the Trey Hopkins. We've and, and it seems like those guys, um, as hard as they may try, they tend to term out a little sooner rather than later, just getting through a full season healthy. That's where youth has a tendency. We need to build the kind of offensive line, yeah, that, that's going to give us an advantage in the run game to get Joe Mixon to the second level one. That's going to protect the quarterback. But we need to have five guys that have the kind of youth where they grow together, where they play together and develop a chemistry where you get, you know, 40 consecutive games of play together. And that that's what we're trying to build here. It's not about the one. It's going to be about the five guys. But this is where youth – plays a role. As you well know, uh, Joe Burrow's soon to come off of his rookie deal. T. Higgins is soon to come off his rookie deal. This year they went out and spent the money on the offensive line because it's probably the last year (laughs) we're going to be able to go out and spend money like that to fix an area that requires multiple players. You're going to have to draft well at this position and develop those players when it comes to the offensive line. Uh, Once you get a quarterback on a veteran long-term contract. That's just how the game works. Uh, and you have to learn to build the team differently. I think they did the right thing by spending the money to go out and get three new players. Uh, it's going to be a while before we get to do that again because a quarterback and the talent around him on offense is going to be taking up the lion's share of the money. You mentioned Joe Burrow. We've talked a little bit about Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Naturally, the offensive line was uh, wildly discussed. But like you said, if – Four new starters. They could be much improved in the trenches. Solomon, how good can this offense be this season? I think it would be better than than last year. Um, You know what was needed last year? I think everybody knew coming off the 2020 season, they needed to create explosive plays in the passing game. And even with an offensive line that gave up 70-plus sacks, okay, in in the regular season and postseason, Still got that done. That's amazing. I think it's a testament a lot to the toughness of Joe Burrow, right? How do you lead the league in getting sacked that much, but still he's the only quarterback last year that completed 70% of his passes, okay? Still led the league in yards per pass attempt, okay? And getting sacked uh, more than anyone else. So tells you about his toughness, but it also tells you a lot about Jamar Chase and the growth and the development of T. Higgins, I think we've got uh, – I love C.J. Uzama, but Hayden Hurst, I think is just as good, if not maybe a little bit better in terms of the upside. Yep. We have an offensive line that should get our runners to the second level of the defense at a faster rate and a more efficient rate than one year ago, which you and I both know that means now another defender is going to have to commit to the box to stop Joe Burrow. Um, Samaj P. right? Chris Evans now is a factor in the rotation of the running backs. I think – this is a guy that will make a lot of big plays. He's a little more explosive. He can make guys miss and create more plays. So that means the guys on the perimeter of the offense, the wide receivers, get more single man-to-man coverage because you got to commit more defenders to the box. So in that sense, the offensive line helps the run game to be better. The pass game can now be better. Joe Burrow now is one more year into the system, understanding complex defenses. I thought Tennessee – Kind of had him holding the ball maybe a little yep. bit longer. But he, guess what? He took the sack. He knew that it was better to do that than just throw the ball in haste and put it in harm's way. 
what we saw was a growth curve by the entire operation offensively. But we saw the defense grow exponentially faster and grow at, a, I think, at a higher level than the offense did a year ago. I think we can see that playing against Kansas City twice in a month and holding the Grim Reaper to only three points in the second half in both games. You do that against the Andy Reid team. Now, I was telling Luana Romo, we got to come up with a new nickname for the defense now because <laughs> Lou is dialing up stuff, man. I'm telling you, that's that's cutting-edge stuff when you're going up against defenses that are that good and doing the, the job that they have done. And what he did to, I think, Lamar Jackson early in the season, using Sam Hubbard in a very specially designed way, um, I think we've got ourselves a cutting-edge defense right under our nose, and we need to recognize that. It's the fun part, right, is, yeah, I agree with you. I think Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, they get all of the love, and now Lyle Collins in this new revamped offensive line, and the offense should be really, really good, but the defense is bringing everybody back, essentially. So they seem deeper than they were a year ago, so right. Right. it's plenty, plenty to be excited about. He's Solomon Wilcox. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Solomon's Wisdom. Check out the Believe in Bengals podcast as well, which is – also on Bally Sports Ohio. Solomon, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much for coming on with us, and uh, we may be bugging you during the regular season. It's quite all right. We're talking Bengals. It's all good, guys. Thank you for having me. Who day? Thanks so much for Solomon Wilcots, and what a great who day to sign off his time on the Lockdown Bengals crushed podcast. It. Honestly, debated just ending the show there, but do want to let you know that we have coverage coming up this week, of course, of the Bengals joint practices with the Rams. James will be there in person. We'll get the eyewitness reports. Hopefully there will be no fights as we've seen around the NFL in these joint practices. Maybe a like, couple. Maybe a couple. As long as everyone stays healthy. Sure. Yeah, that, that's that's the most important part of any practice and especially these joint practices. So plenty of good stuff coming up this week. Hopefully Get a chance to dive into the all 22 of the preseason game in week two as well as the Bengals don't resume practice until Wednesday. The preseason is almost done, James. We have these joint practices, one more game coming up on Saturday, and then we're preparing like the Bengals for a week one against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Thanks for listening. Hootay and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.